SoCal Summer Swing Out Podcast, and oh my God, do I have a treat for you. We have the special guest, the wonderful, the enigmatic, the energetic, ever so talented, Tydrick Hill. What's up, my guy? Hey, Andre. Wow, what a <laughs> what an intro, man. You're overselling me. Oh, nah, bro. I speak facts. How are you, dude? I'm doing pretty good. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for taking time because currently you're you're in Germany, yes? I'm not in Germany right now. I leave tomorrow. You leave tomorrow yeah. for Germany. Gotcha. Now you've been traveling all over the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, mainly Europe. But yeah, I've been to Turkey once. So Central Asia one time. Central? Near Eastern? Anyways. Asia. Dude, that's... That's so, I, every time I see your stories, I'm like, damn, what a life. <laughs> um, oh, man. But I was curious because I think a lot of people listening, they've, they've heard your name. They've seen you at like events and stuff. But why don't you give us like a quick intro into who Tydrick is? Yeah. Uh, uh, who is Tydrick? What is Tydrick? <laughs> um, I am constantly figuring that out. So, uh, okay, I'm 27 years old. Um, mm -hmm. I'm the oldest of 10 kids. And at home, uh, I grew up dancing a ton. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. And so for a lot of black people, like church is like a huge part in America. Church is a yeah. huge part of, you know, your experience, how you, how you experience community. You listen to a lot of musicians, they talk about learning how to play in church. I kind of learned how to dance and I got really into art in church. And mm. like, that was my mom's strategy. Uh, that was my mom's strategy to keep us in a healthy environment as opposed to the more extreme examples of some of my peers were being exposed to when I was younger. Um, and so, yeah, oldest of 10, really big family. I always had a lot of responsibility, always used to a lot of people. Um, and so my family really was a, a community, uh, growing up and we would often go to church and dance. I think I started singing at eight and I started really getting into dance around 11 or 12, uh, YouTube era type stuff. And with jazz dancing, how I discovered that and Lindy Hopkins, mm. I was a young lad, um, <laughs> a young strapping lad looking for validation you know, <laughs> wanting love. And, and, uh, there was a girl that I fancied. I saw her at a party. I thought she was interesting. So later on, I, I asked her on a date, we went on a couple dates. And during one of those dates, she talked about liking the idea of swing dancing, which I hate that term when we're talking about <laughs> Lindy Hop. But, uh, I was like, cool. I'm going to keep that in mind. And I, but I planned a date doing that. Um, and there was a live band, the Rick Bernetto big band. And I remember, I think they were playing Benny's Bugle. And I was mm -hmm. doing some kind of approximation of what I thought uh, the dancers on the, on the dance floor were doing, mm -hmm. going around in a circle, holding somebody and listening, you know, to that riff. And, you know, something about that. I remember going around and being like, this is fun. I can still, I can still see the dimly lit bar that we were in. I don't remember who I was dancing with, but I do remember going around and feeling like, oh, I'm having fun. This is fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that so, was that was the beginning. That's what started the monster that is Tydrick now. <laughs> that that was uh that was the beginning. It's interesting though, because uh traveling around the US, well really like the Midwest and the Southeast and the East Coast. I didn't go over to the West Coast or get into the mountains or anything like that but I would travel the first couple of years of my dance journey uh to these weekend festivals or whatever to really learn and it was the first one that I went to which is whistle stop um mm -hmm. that really got me hooked because up until then it was like oh this is just like a weird thing that I do with a bunch of weird people mm -hmm. in a bar I like different kinds of music and like there's this context where I can interact with women and they're not scary or mm. other. 
you know, there's, there's a context to like, to hold someone's hand and to ask for their weight and to have a conversation with movement, to have an unspoken conversation. And it doesn't need to be anything else than that, but it also mm. isn't restricted to being like, it can be sensual or sexual, whatever, but it's not. And just like mm. having that open environment, but I start with, you're a person, like you're a person mm. I'm trying to acknowledge and see your humanity. I think that was really, really, really good for me uh as a, as a young man like oh mm -hmm. cool i can kind of see and relate to you on even grounds i think a lot of young men don't often have that kind of visage into like um you know other people's lives <laughs> we're all consumed in our own heads so so yeah going to whistle stop i think really exposed me to the bigness of the world because it, it went from being this thing that was fun that I could do to maybe like get used to girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, holy, whoa. You know, it was like two or three months into my dance journey. And I was like, this is, there were dozens, hundreds of people that I was meeting and everybody's like, oh, what scene are you from? What scene are you from? What scene are you from? I felt like I discovered the Hogwarts, <laughs> of, uh, like some kind of jazz dance version of Hogwarts. It's like the secret society. Yeah. These people are everywhere. They gave me an idea about the scope and how big the community was. And that's when I remember being really hooked, really sold on like, oh, I wanna keep on doing this. Mm. That and when Victor showed me, Victor, my best friend, when mm -hmm. he showed me a video of A Day at the Races to show me that the dance had black origins. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like there was um, a cultural call for me. I felt something deep that was like, oh, I need to do this. So it was like, oh, this is fun. I wanna do this. Then going to Whistle Stop was like, oh, no, I want to dance. Like, I really want to do that. And mm -hmm. then uh, the day at the races moment was like, I need to do this. Mm. Like a, a flip switch when you realize the connection that you have to the dance. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And uh, there was something about the, pro you know, a day at the races, the, you know, all God's children got rhythm. I love that they sing that because in a time where, you know, segregation, Jim Crow abounds, mm -hmm. the people in the in the clip, their hair is dirty, the children don't have shoes, like their clothes are tattered, and yet they're still asserting that they have value, that God loves them, uh, that like uh, they can have joy despite their circumstance. You know, mm -hmm. their spirits are so indomitable in that moment and the art is a is a vector for that to come through something about that is really powerful uh, i need to do this i need to tap into this to discover the value of this context for myself um and my relationship to my own blackness um but also because what i'm experiencing that is positive is good for other people i want to mm. be able to create spaces for others as well mm -hmm. so yeah Long yeah, answer, yeah. But... No, no, no. It was a beautiful answer because this actually is a perfect connection to like uh, what you wrote at Islandy. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ty, you you teach on at islandy.com, right? I do or teach on islandy.com. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. Uh, I have one or two courses. It's those things are so old, but yeah, I have some courses on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like the description you have here, I'm just gonna read it verbatim and then I'd like to dig into it. You said, I moved from the same spirit of my ancestors who though stripped of everything could never let go of the beat. As long as their hearts swung, they became the drums, they embodied the rhythm, they embraced each other. And in spite of circumstances, they carried their history in song and dance. When I dance, I acknowledge it, it is my turn to bear these traditions. And in doing so, I desire above all else to honor these fundamental cornerstones of black art, authenticity, community, hope, and dignity. Fuck, man, that is so good. Like, tell me, tell me a bit more about that. Like, tell me how you feel about that concept of embodying that rhythm in spite mm. of the circumstances and the history. Mm. Yeah, man, I, uh, wow. So that's not just, I didn't just write that for Islandy. That's actually, I have an artistic statement 
that I wrote initially for a grant when I was applying mm-hmm. for a grant and um, not just for money, but like, I, I feel like that sums things up. I think, um, I think that in terms of embodying the rhythm, it's this thing that is worth intellectualizing, but not getting too lost in the sauce on. Mm-hmm. Because some of it is just about being. And you only need to, I think the the reason why all of that is even needing or relevant or important to say is because the community is in a place where I think and a lot of us who come from a Western background are going to be in a place where because of capitalism, our relationship to art is not self-actualizing. Our relationship to art has to do with entertainment. Our relationship to art has to do with like what money um, has to do with opportunity. And these things aren't necessarily bad. You know, it's not bad to want to go to a dance because you want to have a partner or to go to dance because you want to have a hobby, you're bored. That's okay. Um, I, I don't think that's bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you sell yourself short on the experience. You sell yourself short on the context this thing was originally designed in. Um, a community of people are looking for catharsis and this is the natural result. Um, and we all have issues. It's not the same mm-hmm. as a Black American in the 1930s, 1940s, 1920s. Um, but if you've ever been made to feel smaller than yourself, if you've ever been made to feel like you don't belong in your body, if you've ever been made to feel invisible, if you've ever felt shame or guilt, like I think that there's a place for you here in processing that cathartically, their movement. So, yeah, man. In terms of embodying the rhythm and why that's important to me specifically and not just conceptually for a community, mm-hmm. I, I can't explain I can't explain the impulse. It's like I just feel good when I'm dancing. Like I just feel mm. good. Mm. Um like, yeah, that moment when I'm going around and when I first start dancing and I'm thinking to myself, God, this feels fun. Mm. This is fun. I'm having fun. Like, my heart is happy to be here and play. Recently, I've been doing a lot of house music, trying, mm. to, trying to learn and get better at house dancing and, and uh, hip hop. Um, and kind of reestablish my connection to those because those are also elements of dance and music that have always been present, but that I didn't have a strong foundation in. Um, mm. Just an interest as a kid looking and trying to copy what I saw in videos. Um, man, when I listen to house music, if you've ever been to a house party um, and like they have the music turned all the way up and you can feel the drums like rever- reverberating in your chest, mm-hmm. there's a, it's something, there's something spiritual about it. I, I can't intellectualize it enough. You have to go seek out that experience. You have to go put yourself out there to dance and understand that you're looking not to dance for the people around you necessarily, but you're looking to try to find yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to be willing to kind of try to empty your mind and only experience the music and only take in what is directly, like if you're Lindy Hopping, only take in the weight of your partner. Um, you have to be, you have to try to, I guess maybe there's a form of ego death. Like, like I'm not me. I'm trying to be in the music, mm. you know, I'm trying to like exist, connect with my partner. Sure. But I, I'm not trying to play the role of, of a person who, who, okay, well, I'm shaking your hand. I signed up to lead you and I will execute these steps. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to like go somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave my mm-hmm. partner behind. I don't want to leave my partner behind. But yeah, I think you have to go with that in mind. You have to maybe go out clubbing with that in mind. That I just want to stop and listen to the music and try to keep my mind clear and 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 see what that brings out of me. See what it calls from me. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the music also calls me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because, dude, that's. I feel like what you said is so powerful in regards to letting the hearing the music and like taking a moment to be in the music as opposed to have that transactional 
oh, tuck, turn, swing out here and like do the stuff without the spirit is what I'm hearing. Is that, is that right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, man. And uh, I think, I think it's, I think you gotta, first of all, you gotta find music you like. You don't mm. have to like all swing music ever. For example, mm. me, I don't like early jazz. I don't like trad jazz. New Orleans mm. style is not my thing. And uh, I have friends that have been trying to convince me against that. <laughs> I don't know if they're ever gonna succeed. Mm. But it's just, it's just, that's not my, that's not my, my cup of tea for other people. It totally is. And they don't like what comes later. I'm, I like bebop and I like uh, more freer forms of stuff. I like late thirties into the sixties type jazz, mm. you know, um, I listened to a lot of Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know. I think you have to find something that speaks to you. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you got to go and see, okay, what else, if it speaks to me, what is it saying? And what am I, what do I feel like I have to say to mm. respond to that? And it's also okay if for a time, the answer is nothing. It's okay if for a time you just soak in it. Mm. That it, that is <laughs> like so deep and like in there, <laughs> like a, because you mentioned something in class once you talked about expressing what the music is telling you and using your mm -hmm. body and your rhythm to express the music. And I feel like that's what you're talking about, right? Is like, when you hear the music, how do you express the music in your body and in your rhythm? And I feel like yeah. you specifically, I know that people in SoCal, when they talk about you, like, oh man, Tidrick just moves so well. His quality of movement is so good because he expresses the music with so much heart. I had someone tell me that you express the music with so much heart. And I was curious, like, when you dance, do you think about all these things? Do you just listen to the music and just express it and let it flow? Or are you calculating like, oh, this sounds like it requires a, it would be nice to do a swing out here or a tuck turn here. How, what's your train of thought when you are dancing? Uh, such a good question. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no standard answer. It's not the same in every context. Some weekends you're going to go out and you're going to dance. Some nights you're going to go out and you're going to dance and it's going to feel totally performative. Mm. You're not going to feel like you're in your body. You're not, you're going to have trouble connecting to your partner. You, you just, it's not going to hit right. You know, and in those times I am maybe thinking, okay, wait, do I remember how to do a swing out? Let me focus really hard on my connection so that I, uh, like you try to skip those steps. And then like you start having bad dances. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that like, that's a stage there's, there are stages where I feel like I'm tapped in usually after I've had a drink or two, not that I'm not going <laughs> to dance, but there are stages where I feel like I'm totally tapped in. I'm that guy. Like, let's go. I can do anything right now. And then it's not, there's no, my partner and the music have my full attention because mm, mm. everything else is just naturally going to come. Um, mm. But recently I have been trying to take a more intentional approach intentional because I'm trying to take tiny habits and I want to make them unintentional. I want to mm. make them so habitual that they're unintentional. Mm -hmm. And specifically I've been thinking a ton about um, what it means to groove and acknowledge the drums when you mm. dance, we teach the pulse or the bounce, you know, and uh, I've just, you know, because the solo movement is also a huge part of my expression, I've mm -hmm. been craving something different, or I've been craving to try to find some more range in just that basic foundational groove. Um, and then the way I bring that into my partner dancing is instead of trying to create the range all the time, I'm just going to listen to the music and why don't I first listen to how's my partner bouncing? You mm. know, like we just kind of assume that we're both doing this. So th mm -hmm. it's okay. Yeah. But, but like, do I feel them? Are they, is the bounce really in their knees? So they're not getting into the ground. They got like cut it off with their knees. Are they sinking into the ground? How are they moving across the ground? Are they, you know, are they deep in it? Are they floating above it? 
I can get, you know, real cerebral about it, but I've been thinking a ton about that. And so there is an mm-hmm. intentional exercise that I've been putting myself under to try to connect better to my partners. Um, but I think in essence, when I'm dancing and I'm really, really enjoying myself, there's a confluence of all these things a little unintentionally. Mm. So like, I don't have to over-intellectualize the melody. If I feel it and it makes sense, I can just dance and I won't miss my partner's cues. I don't need to overthink how my partner is bouncing. I'm just with them. I can see them. I Mm -hmm. acknowledge them. I see their voice. And, uh, I feel so creative in my own head. I don't have to think about what it is that I'm going to do. I'm just going to let the dance unravel. I had a really Mm -hmm. great dance with Nicole Zuckerman. I had a really great dance with them uh, at ILHC back in 2020. And it was beautiful. There was this, um, this like buildup. We didn't swing out at all the whole dance. Mm -hmm. There was a buildup of conversation or whatever. And like the music swole up for the shout chorus and the swing outs came. And when they came, they were just so me. And Mm. I love dancing with them because they swung out and there was no, you know, they, you can say variation, but they were fully expressing themselves too. I could just tell we were on the same page. Yeah. Um, We were both listening to the music. We weren't within the standard steps that you do. Mm. And uh, yeah. So in a perfect world, there's a confluence of all those things without a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. But it's but I'm not always there. Sometimes I'm overthinking what it means to connect to my partner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm overthinking what is the music telling me and how do I do it in my own body? And it's okay to be on all those points. But the goal is to get to a place where you don't think about it at all. The goal is to find your joy. And then everything else should come. But you got to build those habits. So touching back on the point of presence, there's a dancer named Stephanie Kwan out in Denver. And Mm -hmm. uh, she and I, so like Amy and I, we love your, something that you had told us a while back of like, keep that spirit, keep being present. Cause you told us that at last ILHC, after we had that whole amateur, like uh, big bash, like that warm up before we all went out. I remember after the talk, you told us like, keep that spirit so we always we always try to dance with like that presence in mind and I feel like Steffi and I we took that to heart we said we want to be playful and we want to acknowledge each other and the music and I I have to say that the way you were describing it um is exactly how I envisioned you were telling us to do it and that's been a pinnacle part of my dancing as well as like other dances that I've seen and I feel like that's so powerful and not enough people talk about what you told what you're saying about you and Nicole like you didn't do a single swing out you just built it up and there was a story and then when the shout chorus came in then it was like full expression there's so much depth in all of that Mm. bro dance is a language dance Mm. is a language and the reality is is that like you don't just say stuff to say stuff or it's not a good conversation there's mm-hmm. got to be a reason and an appropriate reason for why you do everything. You know, the music starts the conversation. The music starts the conversation. You and your partner start a conversation. You're holding both of these two things at once. And there needs to be a reason for everything that you do. And sometimes the music tells me for all of my energy and all of my super, you know, you know, ah, I can, I can do all the things. I can kick my legs, blah, 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 whatever. For all of that, bro, recently, the past year or two, in my social dancing, I've just really been enjoying two-stepping, holding somebody and just hitting a little two-step, mm-hmm. hitting a little bounce. And when the music wants me, when the music needs more, we give it more. When mm-hmm. the music asks for more, I give it more. But until then, bro, the dance can just be, the dance can just be, just be this, you know, just a little, a little two-step. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for for those listening, we just got some free feet content from Tydrick just now. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> no, you're good, but you're good. Don't worry. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about like uh, competitions because uh, you have competed a lot. You've also judged a lot. So what is what is your view on competition in the Lindy Hop scene? 
and like how has that evolved as you as your trajectory went from just a competitor to now a professional traveling dance instructor i man my relationship with competitions have evolved so much mm. so so when i first started dancing um i started dancing in uh 2017 and i spent that first two years three years before pandemic times i was basically i, I would just pounding youtube if there's a competition video on youtube from 2012 until now honestly I, i'm not going to say until 2000 there's a lot of older videos that i, I probably still haven't seen but i've seen a lot there's a competition between 2012 and now i've probably seen it Mm. Because I, I was just hunting down and watching everything that I could. And if if I saw something that I liked, first of all, if I heard a song that I liked, I tried to find it. Mm. And if I if I um, saw something I liked, I would save the video and then hyper focus on the thing and try to mimic the idea and social dancing later. Because that's mm. I also never really took classes. I social danced a lot. Mm. And then I, I took classes when I went to workshops for weekends, when I traveled to learn from instructors, but locally, I just danced. I didn't take any local classes. My mm -hmm. community didn't have a strong scene in that way. And so competitions for me, watching them, just the function of them was also, um, it was inspirational. There was something informative there and it kept my hunger going. As a young dancer, mm -hmm. it got me excited and interested to get involved in the dance scene. And during that time, I, I thought, you know, when I start competing, bro, once I really understand this, I'm gonna be a shit. It's gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be so good. It's gonna mm -hmm. be so great. You just mm -hmm. watch. Mm -hmm. Um the first time I made finals for solo jazz was the very first, was the second very second uh jazz it was uh, a weekend event that I was at. I felt super embarrassed. I was super mm. scared. I was like watching mm. everybody and just copying people. Uh, made fourth place. Um, didn't place. <laughs> just fine. The first time I made finals for Lindy Hop was at Classic City Swing, I think. Uh, either in 2018 or 2019, I forget which year. And I was terrified. I was mm. scared shitless. It was so bad, bro. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, it's only been that way. It's only been me scared crap. Like <laughs> I've only ever felt a ton of pressure, and I've only ever, in my own mind, totally shit the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, say for a handful of times where I was dancing with friends, and it was a really small event or something like that. Like any time that I had an opportunity to say something or for the community to look at my dancing, I feel at this point in. In September of 2023, there's not, I don't have any, any point coming out in competition that I feel like I'm proud of or really shows off my dancing in a way that makes sense. But there were mm -hmm. milestones. I, I can see improvement when I mm -hmm. track stuff back. That first competition event that I made finals at, I remember Naomi, who's a dear friend of mine and, a, and one of the strongest influences in my life in terms of her and her husband, Peter, are probably mm -hmm. in America. Those two, and then John Tiger and Jenna are, you know, top two influencers on the way that I think about dancing. Because mm -hmm. I learned from them so much. Naomi looks at me, and she, I was practicing something, and she, like, threw my hand down and was like, Tidrick, bro, you don't know where my weight is, and you're not paying attention to me, and I don't trust you because I know that you're not paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, you basically, if you want to get better, you need to, like, you shouldn't be so concerned with all the fancy stuff. You can leave that behind. You don't, you need to not be afraid to go on this journey of being a boring dancer and trying to understand the fundamentals of connection with your partner. Because mm. like, until you do, you can't have a conversation with someone, you know? And uh, that was really, really, really impactful. And so I don't know, I, I spent so much time before the first time I made finals really fantasizing and thinking, I'm gonna be that guy, just wait till I get up there. And then uh, when I get up there, it's like all that I've experienced is an understanding of what I don't know, you know? Mm. And recently, I say like this year, last year, since I started competing at ILHC, 
I've only ever wanted, like, my desire hasn't been to win. My desire has just been, can I do something? Can I just give an mm. idea that I'm proud of? Can I showcase my values? Um, and the reason why I say I've, you know, crapped the bed is because I don't think that I've, I've done that. I don't mm. think that I've been able to do that. It's you get in front of people, you feel the pressure to please. And like, I might be doing solo jazz and I just start spazzing. Or I get in front of people with Lindy Hop and I get so nervous about how I'm perceived, about what I feel like I deserve, mm -hmm. about the space that I'm occupying. Um, mm -hmm. And then I feel like I can't display in my Lindy Hop things that I do normally. I'm so nervous. I don't know how to swing out comfortably anymore. I can only hear my heartbeat. You know, I'm like, Ugh. so, mm. so that that's been competitions for me personally have been a very interesting space mm. because I only want to run at them right now. Mm. Like it's something that I want to get better at competing and performing is something that I have a huge desire to get better at um, battles, all of that. From a macro perspective, not just a personal perspective, though, I think that they're very necessary. Mm. And I think that I think that we should have more of them. Mm. I think that there should it sucks because you know the scene post-pandemic is hobbling and pre-pandemic was already hobbling because it was full of a bunch of people who um weren't doing a good job, I would say, necessarily evangelizing the dance. Mm. Um and social media makes it easy to spend more time complaining than dancing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the limited. That's just the limited people that I was around. Um, but like post pandemic now, if that's where we were at, we're not in a super great place. I so I understand that, but I think we need more competitions. I think at the Savoy at ballrooms they have competitions every week, mm. every week, every week, and so there is an opportunity. First of all, this incites hunger in people to want to be mm. on top of their craft, to want to keep on innovating to want to keep on showing off what's up and there and it's like there's no status quo because everyone is just everyone believes in themselves everyone has something to say and so mm -hmm. everyone is just fighting it's like you can't you can't right now the way it is is you know you prep you prep you prep you prep for the one two or three major competition events that happen throughout a year you know you might mm -hmm. pay if you're in Europe, you might pay to come to Camp Hollywood or pay to come to ILHC or now they have ILHC Europe. So you'll go there or you go to Savoy Cup and you put in a whole bunch of work. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll point to the States because in Europe, they have a different economy about things and people will go and travel and perform and compete at local events. Um, but you right now, it's ILHC for us. Mm -hmm. And so you do all this work and you have one chance and you, you, you crap the bed that one time and sorry for you, there's always next year. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting thing that they don't tell you is that competing is, has more, way more to do with than just your dancing, man. Like you can dance, have, you know, 90 days of good dancing, 90 days of beautiful training. You know, you just go crazy and then you get that one opportunity and, the added factors of people watching you, the added factors of feeling like I only have one chance to get this idea right, like the nerves, mm -hmm. all of that comes in. And so just getting practice, being in front of people and being in the heat of the moment and still having enough faith in your ideas and in your work ethic that, you know, comes through, that's a whole different ballgame. So, yeah. In a macro level, I think we need competitions more for inspiration. Mm -hmm but also because competing in itself is a skill mm -hmm. and like people need a winning, a fighting chance. Everyone does better when, uh, when we all feel comfortable under that fire, because then we can mm -hmm. really focus on bringing something, bringing a heat to each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll a lot, but yeah. No, no, no. You said so much good stuff. And one of the things I really want to drill into is you mentioned that when you were with Naomi, Naomi said, you can, you have to be okay being a boring dancer and leaving that fancy stuff behind so that you can fully concentrate on being in the moment, listening to the music and listening to your partner. And I feel mm -hmm. like there are a lot of listeners right now who can really empathize with that or maybe even need to hear that because maybe them trying to do all that fancy stuff takes away from their experience and their partner's experience in a social dancer, even in a competition, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think it's so interesting 
the journey that you go on because you start off dancing and a lot of people who start Lindy Hop don't have prior dance experience. So they, it's hard for them. They feel like they don't have something to say. Mm -hmm. And then the next stage is like, okay, I can dance a little bit more on my own body. I'm a little bit more comfortable. I'm a little bit more expressive. And mm -hmm. I think the next stage is like, okay, let's dial that back because we need to get better at, at um, this conversation aspect of the dance. And then once you get more solid in the conversation aspect of the dance, it's like, okay, now we need to dive more into personal expression and personal movement because now my quality mm -hmm. of movement, as I execute these steps, I still look a little awkward. I can have a good conversation, but like I'm not fully realized in my own embodiment of the music. And then you got to dial it back again and figure out how do I bring my partner into this new way that I move my body. And it's mm -hmm. this constant ebb and flow. You never reach, uh, you never reach a point, but I feel like a lot of, a lot of dancers, especially like people who are newer to the dance, you started dancing. If you started dancing in the past two or three years, it's really easy to like, uh, it's really easy to be in a mindset where once you figure out some steps and you have some pretty confident personal movement that you've really got it going on. That's where I was for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes someone like a Naomi to really point to you and then you see what you don't know. And it wasn't necessarily, she wasn't trying to tear me down, man. It was one of the most beneficial things I've ever heard. And I've been listening to that advice every day. Mm -hmm that like, man, I do think it's important for people to have their own personal voice. I think it's fundamental. I think it's absolutely necessary. It's imperative that you discover your own way of moving and your own style of dancing. Mm -hmm. But you cannot forget the basics of partnership so that you can bring somebody in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, for the listeners who don't know, um, Tyreek and I are talking about Naomi Oyama and Peter Strom. So I'll put their mm -hmm. information uh, down below yeah dude like uh that first of all i love how visceral and like uh deep we're getting into like the dance concepts and dance connection yeah, <laughs> you yeah. weren't kidding you weren't kidding when you said oh yeah i'm cerebral we're getting really <laughs> cerebral on this podcast <laughs> no i love it don't stop don't stop um okay Here's a question that I think some people want to know. So you are now a professional dancer and you're traveling mm -hmm. and teaching and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, what are some of like the the beauties of being able to do that? And what are some things that people don't necessarily know that they don't see, but that you experience? Well, the beauties have a lot to do with getting to meet and connect with people all over the world. I think for me personally, I experienced the world through books a lot as a child. I mm. uh, was bullied a ton. So I didn't have a, a lot of friends that weren't in my family necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so I would read a lot and fantasize a lot about other worlds, you know, and whether that be some ancient dynasty in China or, you know, the Guptas in India or yeah, I was just super into learning about all kinds of different things I didn't know about the world mm -hmm. and people who weren't like me. And in my head as a little boy, those books were so necessary because I'll never get on a plane and go see them. Getting on a plane mm -hmm. is for rich people because I grew up really poor. Um, to be able to have an opportunity to visit France, to visit, you know, all of these places that I've been, Belgium, Germany. Turkey, Turkey, and to be able to connect with uh, these cultures and to see them eagerly want to connect with me too because we all love the same thing has been a huge joy to me. It really mm -hmm. fills my cup to be able to connect with people and to experience a different way of living than I'm used to in America. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's just that part was is really, really, really fun and really cool. Um, but I think something that's really hard that people don't necessarily see or whatever, travel is rigorous. Mm. Um, so I will lose an entire day of my life going from point A to point B usually, 
when I travel. Mm -hmm. Like that's just like a day is deleted, a day that I could have been spending with friends, time that I could have spent doing something else. Like I am spending waiting in airports, sitting on planes, trying to get through customs. Um, so that's 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 not glamorous. That's really hard, I think. And I think also um, there's a sense of deep. Let me be very specific because this is important to me and something that I'm still wrestling with. But um, there's a sense of loss of community mm. when you're in a position like I am, which is interesting because you're trying to lead a community. Mm -hmm. but when I say community, what I mean is I think every person should have a network of people that they are accountable to in 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 service of them, a network of people that are invested in their own personal growth and in and in whom uh they're invested in like that other the individuals in the network seeing them grow as well mm -hmm. um and i'm not just talking about a family but you know family as well my ability to meet someone try to connect and grow with them hopefully to a point where we see and respect and want to build our lives in service to each other enough that we feel comfortable bringing another life into things is challenged when i'm gone all the time Mm -hmm. um my friendships like i've had friends i had a friend whose dad passed away while i was in new york one time and i wasn't there with him for mm -hmm. that i've had a friend whose mother recently died of cancer um i wasn't there with him for that mm -hmm. um and so there's like a huge like you lose out on something that i think I'm losing out on something that I think uh, builds me up as a person, mm. like as a human being, as a spiritual and emotional being, which is that like my support network is fragile um, and it's not consistent. Mm. And I don't know that that's always visible. The time investment and what you lose because you are investing time in something else, that part isn't seen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, first off, my condolences to your friends. Um, yeah. and the second question is, so we, we are a community and we do try to support each other. So my question is, if I'm asking personally, like podcast aside, I'm asking personally, me as your friend, how can I stand by and support you even from afar as you are going through all this? Like, what can we as your friends do to be there for you? Well, I think I have a ton of like Victor and I. Um, I've, we've been pretty poor about it recently, but we set up goals and go through spurts of having weekly check-ins, you know, mm -hmm. some of it is, I think some of it is unavoidable. Mm. As long as I'm in the line of work I am. And as long as I think the way that I am, I'm always going to run into this issue. And it's not necessarily something that people can fix for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have big questions I need to ask myself. And I think that we are a community. We are a community, um, but the distance matters. And I think that being in person with someone is a powerful thing. Yeah. Uh, just being able to share physical space with them is a powerful thing. So I don't know, I, 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 I don't know how to reconcile that. Recently, I've been thinking about, like, what do I want my life to be about? Do I want it mm. to be about? Because, you know, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, there's no part of me that doesn't like the attention and doesn't like being celebrated, doesn't like when people think well of me. Of course, I like that. Of course, that's present. Of course, that's a motivation. Mm -hmm. But is that worth it? <laughs> mm. It's a powerful motivation, too. But is it worth it? Mm. Um and I do think people care. I know my friends care. And I mm. think that that's, that's a blessing um, in spite of things is that people care. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, have, I have questions just from a personal perspective that I've been processing a lot where it's, do I want my life to be about this? You know? Mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the flip side of that, you know, I. I was at Uptown Swing Out, which is Peter Strom and Naomi Iyama's, well, Peter Strom's event, Naomi Iyama's, she plays mm -hmm. um, with her band, uh, Her Handsome Devils. 
And so they have this event that they've organized together that uh, is really cool. And when I was there, I think I had conversations with no less than five people that were like, yo, I started dancing because I saw your stuff mm. on the internet. Like I connected with this dance and this culture because of you. Or I don't know if you remember this, but I was a child in a, in a class four years ago that you you taught and I'm still here. And I'm like, what? And I'm, I just got through dancing with this person and they're, they are a magnificent dancer. Mm. And I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had people cry in class before making connections with themselves or their bodies or their history. So I do think that there's a value to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just constantly going to have to negotiate what it is that I want for me. Something else, and this is kind of away from what you asked, but like something that mm -hmm. I've observed mm -hmm. is that a ton of people who were successful entertainers and successful at being celebrated mm -hmm. didn't necessarily, they weren't always, you know, successful in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. Their love relationships were terrible or like their personal lives were ruled by addictions that crumbled and made them dysfunctional in a lot of ways or, mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? I recently had a talk with a daughter of Leon James who, you know, we see celebrate Leon James. Her relationship to him is a little bit different. Mm. Um, her mom is not a fan of Leon James and, mm. you know, for various reasons like if you look up Harold Nicholas and Fayard Nicholas and you look up the way that they treated the women in their lives especially Harold the way he treated Dorothy Dandridge and the subsequent fate of his daughter because of that you're like dang yeah for all of the ways that I celebrate you as an artist and I want to affirm you as an artist this is hard to see and I don't want to end up as a person who because I was pursuing this these being seen and being loved in that way mm -hmm. I lose out on what matters you know mm -hmm. so I guess I'm bringing this up not to not as a call for help but more to say this is what is on the other side of of all of that is I think fighting harder to stay grounded because it, it would be easy to let it just go to your head and to think I'm the shit and yeah I'm gonna go to Germany and I'm gonna you know do all the things and mm -hmm. and it's like no take a slice of humble pie First of all, you're dancing, you can grow in a lot of areas. And then second mm -hmm. of all, um, this at the end of the day, the attention doesn't mean anything. You still don't have, this is me talking to myself, you still mm -hmm. don't have, um, doing this within itself is not enough for you to be a substantial, to be a fully realized person. Mm. To be someone that can be active and is growing in his ability to love and serve other people and himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like that, that that's really good information for anyone who's listening who is an aspiring professional dancer or aspiring to like be where you are now right whatever that may mean is they see the the glory they see the the all the celebration but they may not see the opposite side so I'm very grateful for you bringing that up because i'm pretty darn sure there are a lot of other professional instructors that have a similar experience especially where they're not able to be there for the family or friends when things are difficult or something that i think about is missing weddings because yeah 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 because like what te technically your wedding a wedding only happens once in a lifetime whereas an event happens every year and I remember back when I was traveling a lot, I, I would miss weddings because I was like, oh no, I want to go to this event to get become a better dancer. And now when I look back, I'm like, damn. Like, for example, Rob and Carrie's wedding. Like I I I, I still have regrets of uh of uh not really making it to that or like making it to the proposal because Rob invited me to help him with the proposal. But I was mm. like, I had something dance related come up or something and I was just really bummed because there, Robert is one of my favorite people. Carrie's one of my mm. favorite people. It was mm -hmm. his birthday yesterday. And every year we have this fun thing where I write a terrible poem on his wall about his birthday. And it's just like our, our little friendship thing. And I wished that I could have celebrated them in, non, in a non-dance way, you know? Now. It's interesting that you bring those two up. 
because I do think um, one thing that's been grounding for me has been my relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So my, my, my friend teaching, my local teaching partner, friend, and my previous teacher, Shannon Varner, mm-hmm. her husband, Jason Drake, our friends who we're talking about, Robert and Carrie Capacu, who mm-hmm. uh, Rob is a super awesome jack of all trades, funny guy, yeah. uh, super into getting into improv, you know, doing well at Second City, like, you mm-hmm. know, dude is doing the thing. And mm-hmm. uh, Carrie is uh, an amazing dancer. Uh, she used to partner with Victor and compete with him. We've partnered and, t- and competed together. She teaches in Chicago. Um, I think my relationship with those two, with Shannon and her partner, and with my friend Victor, we have a little dance family mm-hmm. that I affectionately call the mild wid mest. Ah. Uh, that like they don't necessarily co-sign that name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they've been they've been a, a grounding point for me, I would say. Then my friendship with my mentor Latasha Barnes, mm. who's my mentor really in philosophy. Mm. Um, but like she she and then she's created a community of people in the jazz continuum that I in the past have really leaned on in really hard transitions of times that that's i guess the thing that gets to me though is that it's changing it changes Mm -hmm. with time and there's work to be done there so Mm -hmm. we don't always get to be a family because we have a job to do so i don't know anyways i will say that there are grounding points and that i've met i'm just qualifying what i said before all that's valid but there's also grounding points too but missing weddings you were saying i'm so sorry no 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 that was just, I think the important piece is, as we're talking about all of this, is that there is a balance to be had. And like you said, a reflection to be had for any dancers who are, who love this as much as we do. But at the same time, there are other things that we also want to do. And it's only, it's going to be an, it sounds to me like you and I are in agreement that it's going to be an individual journey for us to look internally and find out how we want to approach it, how we want our life to be, and what yeah. parts of our life we want to we want to heavily invest in for the outcome that we want. I've been trying to follow this idea too that the dance is only valuable because of the people in the room. Mm, mm, so I mm-hmm. lead I lead forward, I lead with a people forward philosophy. Um, I only get to be someone who flies to different places and is celebrated because you choose to do so. So this is not like I am up here and you were down here. I love this thing. You trust me to show you what I love about it, but really we're in the same room together. And without mm-hmm. without you, I have no reason to be here. Like without you, I would just be shuffling in the dark, mm-hmm. you being the community. So mm-hmm. like, um, I need people too. And uh, if the dance is about a celebration of dignity and passion and hope, maybe that's also something that keeps me going towards it. Acknowledging mm-hmm. all the things that I've just acknowledged is that this can be something that builds that for people. If I if I can, if I if I lead with that as a value, I can instill that in other people that it's the community that matters, and we can pursue this thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, So we did cover so much good stuff. We talked about your journey with dance, your relationship with dance and like traveling and even a lot of heartfelt stuff in regards to some of the difficulties with dance. Um, But before Mm. we go into like the wrap up stuff, is there anything else you want to expand on anything we talked about or anything else that you think is important to bring up that you think uh, would be useful? I think think jazz isn't dead. Mm. It's not something that just existed in the 1940s, it's spawned a bunch of cool dance styles and a bunch mm-hmm. of cool music that goes with those dances or dances that go with the music because the music came first, the music was the call, we respond. But um, jazz continues to grow and it stares hip hop and Afro beats and all of this stuff in the eye, rock and roll, R&B, it stares it in the eye and all these different dance styles we have something on par with all of that awesomeness that you see. Um, The key 
to evolving it and bringing it forward and growing it is really thinking about what I said when I was talking about the context of a date, the races, all these are people that whatever, this was their heart. Um, but if you think about the context that they had then, and you try to connect it to the context that you have now, mm-hmm. and you can also maybe do that with some dance styles too, that's how we begin to grow and evolve the dance. And that's something that I just feel passionate about sharing. I get really peeved when people view Wendy Hop as something that is a system that exists only within a period of time. But mm-hmm. I also think that the dance has all that it needs to evolve when you look at it. You study OG dancers, you study tap dancers or whatever. And if you mm-hmm. watch with a critical eye, there's a ton of concepts and things that you can grow from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say that that is the case. And I also say that you don't just be a Lindy Hopper, be a jazz dancer. Mm. And so this idea of solo jazz like puts dancing by yourself in a category that's different then mm-hmm. Lindy Hop, which is like the dancing that we do. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. kind of lame or bow, you know, but that's lame, you know, be a full dancer. If you're a dancer, then you dance in your own body first and then you bring that to a partnership. So you should also be working on your solo dance. And mm. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, noted, noted. Jazz not dead, work on your solo movement. Boom. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this is where we get towards the end of the podcast. So I always go through uh, three different questions, but we're going to change it a little bit. So the first question I want to ask you is, uh, where can people find more information about you? Website, Instagram, or whatnot? Yeah, so um, you can follow me on the social medias. I'm really active on Instagram. My handle is at Tydrick Hill, at T-Y-E-D-R-I-C underscore Hill, H-I-L-L. It's the same thing for TikTok. If you want to give me a follow there, I'm less active there. That platform is hard, bro. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are the two things that I'm, I'm really active on in terms of representing myself. Nice. Okay. And I'll, I'll put all of those links down below. And I know that you already told me when we were just catching up before the call, but w- where are you going to be? Um, from now until the end of the year? Like what, where events would you think people will be able to see you? Awesome. I'm going to be at Stomping on the K uh, this upcoming weekend in Stuttgart, Germany. Mm-hmm. And then in October, I'm going to be at three different events. I'm going to be at the New York Lindy Exchange in New York uh, City. I'm going to be at Whistle Stop in Purdue or uh, Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll be at Gateway Get Down in St. Louis. And then if you have some disposable income and you want to fly to DC and see a cool show in November, I'll be uh, doing a run with my dance company, Latasha Barnes Dance Project, the Jazz Continuum at the mm-hmm. Kennedy Center. So that's my yeah, so now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you and I are going to party at Get Down. That's for sure. I'll put all of those links down below and now for the final question that i ask all of my guests what is the message you would like to leave for any swing dancers that are currently listening um i think that the if i was just keep dancing and Mm. i really try to impress on people please respect your body enough to take care of it Mm. and and to grow your craft everybody goes through seasons you know you don't dancing doesn't need to be the focus of your life Mm. but Mm. if you're going to be in the room anyway then keep trying to realize yourself as a dancer you know dance Mm. is a journey the destination is your joy so don't stop growing and trying to challenge yourself to get there you know, mm. don't, 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 don't just keep on doing it because it's just a fun thing for you to do. Don't allow your love for it to grow stale. You know, don't go through the motions with it. Keep putting in mm. that work. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That is, that's a really good message. So take care of your body. Keep putting in that work. Well, everyone, uh, for those of you who saw on YouTube, thank you so much. Those listening on Spotify and other places, we appreciate you. Don't forget to raise five stars and give us a follow on all those things. All the links down below. Tydrick, 
don't go anywhere after I end this pod after I start recording but everyone else thank you so much and we'll see y'all later Thank you for listening. The music you are currently hearing is called Dances of the Night by Papa D. You can find all its links down below. Till next time. Don't lose hope, trying to stand tall, trying to give the sense of yours the best that you got cause. Every time that they hear this sound, that music gets the feet above the ground. Time just seems to stop in You gotta move, move, move. Got to, got to, got to be a dancer.